We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You want to stop shop for all things green and gold? We're just about three weeks from training camp. We're inching our way closer and closer to that arrival date. For all 90 players making their way back to Green Bay, at least hopefully all 90, and with time to count down some ranking lists. My name is Mike Wellen. I'm joined by Matt Fralick this week, and Matt, it's it's been an interesting start to July, and why does it always seem that whenever top 10 lists come out, it's just meant to cause outrage? Well, they, you know, they picked the best time. Like, they, they, they picked the dead zone for us to chatter about and to get the clicks up, run it up on the, the social media platforms, get it going semi-viral, if not viral, and gives people shit to talk about. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, I try to look at this from an outside perspective, not within, you know, miles of Lambeau Field being a Packers fan, and there's certain guys even on the list that aren't even Packers that I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Why are they on there? Um, you know, I'm sure there's certain names as we go through this I'll be reminded of like, hey, they didn't even make the list, top 10 or honorable mention, but it is some, it's something fun to talk about because it's, you know, normally we stick to the green and gold, but to focus on all 32 teams and look at different positions, kind of give guys their recognition, it's fun. So I enjoy, I enjoy going through these lists, even though, you know, a couple weeks from now we'll be talking uh, training camp and breaking that stuff down. For sure, and of course we got defense this week. I'm hoping we'll be able to talk about the offense next week because those lists are being released starting on Sunday through Thursday with offensive line, then quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, and so forth. But this week we got five position groups, D-line, edge, linebacker, corner, and safety. And we're, we're going to be talking mostly about the, where we think the Packers, some of the Packers guys should be. Only one of them actually is on a top ten list. A couple of them are honorable mentions, but only one is actually in the top ten at their respective position. And that one will be a very fun discussion in a little bit. But before we jump into our list, of course, don't forget to subscribe to us, let us know how we're doing, give us a like, a comment, and tell us just kind of tell us how, how you feel about us. Uh, we're on any podcast platform you can find. You can find us at Packaday Podcast on social media. Andy's doing great work with the YouTube channel as well, so follow that. So that all being said and that out of the way, let's jump into the defensive line. And, I mean, the top three on this list are slam dunks. One's a guaranteed Hall of Fame, one of the greatest of all time. Aaron Donald at one, Chris Jones at two, DeForest Buckner at three. 
I don't see any debate among those. I think those are the three best defensive linemen in football right now. Definitely. They they cause so much havoc. I mean, a couple of years ago, you could have put Fletcher Cox up there, and we'll get to him later on this list. Um, you know, there's some guys that are slept on. But for me personally, I feel like Grady Jarrett's a guy that slept on. You mentioned, you know, Vita Vea. We both like him, but hasn't played a full season yet. Um, but I, I, I can't disagree with all three. Like I said, they cause havoc. They blow up shit. From the, they make they basically just make offensive linemen's days hell. And Aaron Donald, a one number one, and the rest kind of follows suit. I, I really like this top ten to be honest in comparison to some of the other ones. So, um, but yeah, solid top three for sure. And of course, to break down the list itself, it was from ESPN. Uh, Jeremy Fowler did a lot of the writing. They broke. They surveyed fifty league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to rank their top ten lists. And, of course, Aaron Donald was one last year. Someone ranked him four this year, which was just bizarre. That's um, awful. That's awful. And and, and that someone had Jones at five, someone had Buckner at six. Uh, Cam Hayward came in at number four. He's been just that steady veteran for years and years and years. He He's like the definition of the Steelers at this point. He's probably the face of that franchise right now. Uh, Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. at five. Jeffrey Simmons at six was a very interesting one. Uh, he, he, he obviously the talent's there and he's played very well early on but again battled some injuries he's playing on on, the, on a Titans team that no one really talks about and he's a guy who I think is going to climb the list but six is an interesting spot right now for him yeah I, I feel like he's overranked there at six um, maybe it's just because I haven't seen a lot of Tennessee Titan games um, but when I did watch him he did he did flash a little bit but uh I guess the guys like behind him, like they're a little longer in the tooth. Besides Vita Vea, um, on the top ten, and he's been consistently, you know, not healthy. So I guess I don't hate the sixth spot, but I just feel like there's other guys that maybe could have been pushed up. But um, yeah, I, I like Simmons, and I could definitely see him sneaking in the top five in 2022 for sure. And then Leonard Williams came in seven of the Giants left, and who'd have thought a guy goes from the leaves the Jets and becomes a top ten player? Yeah, pretty strange. And like. He didn't have to change his mailing address, really. Like, he's just like, yeah, like, I can stay here. I'm playing in the same stadium. Like, But uh, I'm excited to see what Leonard Williams does. I've always been a big fan of him, but to see him play in a different defense, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, Stephon Tewitt came in at eight. I think a very underrated player. Someone ranked him at number one. Oh, God. That's like I, I like Stephon Tewitt. I think he's a very good player. But unless he ranked himself at number one, that's no. no Vita Vey at number nine. And then Grady Jarrett came in at number 10. Again, Vea, you, you can debate a little bit because, again, he's pretty much kind of a two-down player, hasn't stayed healthy. He's still only 26. Mm-hmm. And he was a vital player on that Super Bowl team. But, again, best availability, availability. We'll talk about that when we get to the safeties as well. But guys who have missed mm-hmm. games are still ranked very highly despite that. And then Grady Jarrett at 10, again, underrated player. Jarrett's been good for that Falcons team for a while now. He was... I feel like he should have got MVP if they'd actually not collapsed a 25-point lead because he was great in that Super Bowl. And he's been just good ever since. The honorable mention is where the fun part begins. The very first one is Kenny Clark. And there was a lot of talk on social media about Kenny, where he fits. Is he top 10? Is he only honorable mention? I think he should be probably in the top 10. I do too, man. And it's like, that's what I'm saying when I started this 
this episode. Like, I, I try not to be biased when we do stuff like this. Um, the reason I feel like Kenny's outside the top ten is just because he doesn't have that uh, that other piece next to him to free him up. He's always taking on double teams, and I realize other guys on this list are doing the same thing. I mean, I I get that, but his skill set, and I just I I really. Sometimes I just feel like people forget about Kenny Clark. Packer fans alike. Like, you're naming off guys all the time, either side of the ball, and he kind of is a forgotten name just because he is so stable. He is so consistent. He doesn't get big, you know, big uh, sack numbers or tackle numbers or tackles for loss or forced fumbles, et cetera. But he's so solid. And I, I, it's fine where he's at. I like that he's getting some recognition, but I do feel like he's a top 10 uh, interior D lineman for sure. And the funny thing is also, he's only 25 still. He hasn't turned 26 right. in October. He's younger than Vita Vea. He's younger than Tuit, younger than Leonard Williams. He's only a, cu- a couple years older than Jeffrey Simmons. He is still, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. The fact that he's younger than Vita Vea is like one of those stats where I hear it. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, how the hell is that even possible? So, yeah, and like you said, he has not hit his prime yet. He's still growing, still being mentored by some really great defensive linemen, and now he's going to be able to do some mentoring to some young guys coming in. So I expect him to be in the top ten um, this next year, and I don't think he really gives a shit about this list, but maybe he'll put a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I just want to see him play one-on-one with T.J. Slayton on the basketball court. That's just going to be a blow. Oh, excellent. That video this past week, I was like, come on. Like, that, uh, I love that stuff. I love seeing people that are versatile, especially when it's like physics seems like they're defying it. Absolutely. And he has other honorable mentions just to kind of bring up. Jonathan Allen came in at 12. Quinn and Williams at 13. J.J. Watt at 14. Now in Arizona, of course. Akeem Hicks at 15. Again, another underrated guy. David Onyemata came through at 16. Jaron Reed, Eric Armstead, and Calais Campbell. And Calais Campbell kind of sneakily putting up essentially a Hall of Fame career as well. You know, they got to keep an eye on, I guess, once he retires. He sneakily had a very, very good and long career in the NFL. Oh, he's a monster, and he's been on such. He's been on some pretty crazy defenses. Jaguars, Cardinals, Ravens, um, all have had their shine. Uh, Jaguars and Ravens specifically, when he's been on those teams, they've been number one, number two, number three, top five for sure. Um, big fan of Clayus Campbell. I have been for many, many years for sure. So let's move back to the edge, and this is another one where there's going to be some serious debate, especially once you get to like the last three on this list. Yep. Because you can debate the ranking of the top five or six anywhere you want, but they all belong there. Miles Garrett ranked number one, and Garrett's been spectacular. He's been worth that number one pick they used on him. He has been absolutely incredible, and he is a big reason why Cleveland turned the, turned things around mm-hmm. once he stopped beating a quarterback with his own helmet. Besides that, that's that's the only dark spot on his uh, his entire resume. But Miles Garrett is a freak, like just enormous physical. Um, exciting to see what he's going to do now with Jadavion Clowney on the opposite side of him. But really, like, he, he's it, – it's close between him and the number two guy in this list. But it, I just think Garrett's done it for a couple more years that you give him the nod at the, the one spot. Yeah, and he's a year younger than number two, which is T.J. Watt. And, of mm-hmm. course, we're not going to talk about drafting with T.J. Watt. No, we don't do that anymore. We're done never. with that, right? That's, never. Yeah. People don't Especially once he gets paid because that's going to happen very shortly. Oh, yeah. Especially we saw Ryan Ramchick get paid. Watt's going to get some serious, serious money coming going forward. He will be the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL once he gets the new contract, and he'll deserve it. Number three, Joey Bosa from the Chargers, so the older one, who's still only 25, so he's younger than T.J. Watt. And 
I never quite considered him an edge though. I always thought he was the he's a four three end, but he he's he's one of those he's one of those tweener guys. He is, but he's he spectacular. Is. He's a great all around player. Great, very good, and yeah, they move him around a little bit. I would like you said I would. Think of him as more as a four-three edge guy, but he really can kind of play with his hand in the dirt. He can play in coverage. He can rush the passer. He can. He's he's very versatile, um, and he's definitely exceeded my expectations with his NFL career. Khalil Mack came in at number four. This this is one of the ones that I'm like, is this a reputation one? Because someone ranked him number one. Is this a reputation one with him? Like he he's good. He was great his first year at Chicago, but is he still a top four edge rusher in the NFL? I don't know, man. I feel like his first year or so with the Bears, it was like, oh shit, this guy's really, really nasty. Like he can he can wreak some havoc on some games. Did it against the Packers, and I don't. I feel like he's fading a little bit, and like you said, his name might have some more clout than his performance. But top five, I think, is fair for Khalil. Uh, number one, that's. That's pretty disrespectful, to be honest. But we've already had some between just even the two position groups where we've had some guys that you said have been voted higher, which is crazy. But I like Mac at four. I think that's fair. And this is a quote from one of the coordinators who they surveyed. His wild plays are unbelievable. There's just not enough of them, which I think is where I get kind of my point is. is mm-hmm. he, he seems like his his motor, I don't want to say hot and cold, but it just didn't, always didn't seem, especially when the Bears were in a losing stretch. It just seemed kind of one of those things. Yeah. Number five, Chandler Jones, again, another very underrated player. He is 31, uh, and he did miss 11 games last year, so that drops him. He was number two going in. But ever since he went to Arizona, he has been the best at getting to the quarterback in the NFL. I think he leads the league in sacks ever since he went to Arizona. He is He just gets the job done. He has averaged 14 and a half sacks from 2014 to 2019. He's a monster, and he's, he is... I think I feel like we're throwing the term underrated around around a lot right now, but he is like he defines being underrated. People never talk about him, and even when he's brought up, um, like you mentioned, like leading the league in sacks for the last few years, like people like if you ask just someone, you know, a, an above average football fan, like who's the who's leading the who's leading the NFL in sacks the last five years, like I feel like it would take you a long, long, long time to get to Chandler Jones. Um, but he's he's the real deal. I like Chandler a lot, and he's kind of just – it's going to be crazy to see what the hell that defense looks like now when you get some help with J.J. Watt, too, and um, a couple of other young guys they have. And yeah, well, one of the rare mistakes by the Patriots and letting a guy go way too early, Chandler Jones. Yeah, that's very off-brand for them. First-round pick, too. Like, you draft – you put some draft equity in him so high, and, like, he didn't really last that long at all with them. And kind of got done with his rookie deal, and it was see you later. But uh, the Cardinals have definitely found a gem with him, no doubt. For sure. Von Miller comes in at number six. Again, Von, potential Hall of Fame career. He's been spectacular. 100, 106 sacks through his first nine seasons. That's the fifth most by any player through through nine seasons. We'll see how he does this year coming back with a couple of injuries. Uh, if he bounces back, he belongs in the list. If not, I could see him dropping out next year. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Chase Young comes in at number seven, the reigning rookie of the year. This this guy's an animal. He is everything the Bosa's were and more. Yeah. He, he, he is going to be – he's going to be up top three, I think, by this time next year. He is that good. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he wasn't higher um, than where he is right now. Like you said, top three, I could definitely see that happening. He's Some of the videos I've seen, actually, there was just one I saw, I think, on Thursday or Friday, just just an absolute menace going through some drills. I know, you know, looks great, 
when you're in compressions and you know no helmets, but he he's a monster, and year two for him is going to be it's going to be amazing, and he has the benefit of playing on a really, really good defense, extremely good defense, a lot of talent, and I think they're going to line him up in the right spots. And having Ron Rivera there, too, helps quite a bit, too, with the defensive uh, coach that he is. And, and then here's where the debates can start to begin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because we'll get to it. Zaria Smith is not in the top ten. Uh, we're going to talk yeah. about that. And Spoiler. Our thoughts on that. Nick Bosikens is number eight coming off his torn ACL. He was number three going into last year, and he drops to number eight. Cam Jordan at nine from the Saints. Again, another guy who I never viewed as quite an edge with his size. And then number ten for absolutely no reason at all. This is, this is a meme at this point. Daniel Hunter was not ranked going into last year. He doesn't play a game, doesn't play a snap. And he moves into ten. Makes I, no sense. I don't uh, get we, it. We, it doesn't make any sense. We are—I uh, don't know how many minutes, twenty minutes, maybe into this episode, and we haven't mentioned Gage's name yet. But I'm going to mention Gage's name because Gage was very pissed off when we were talking about this list um, that he couldn't record with. But like, he was. This was the one that really made him angry. Like, how the hell does a guy move up not playing an, an entire season? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not like. Edge rusher is a, a weak spot for talent in the league. Because we're going to get the honorable mention. There's even guys off those honorable mention lists that are even on there. Like, it doesn't – it's it's just bullshit. Like, honestly, there's no other way to describe it. It just doesn't make sense. And this, But this is the type of thing that got the, the retweets, the replies, the ratios going on social media that um, makes these articles run a little bit rampant. But Daniel Hunter is – he's very talented. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's a menace. But having not played and we're – it's not. We're going off of this year. Like, who's gonna? Who's the best? Who had the best year last year? Who's the best talent? And like, granted, he didn't play, but he's still talented. But he's not a top ten guy. Definitely. And also, it's not like he came off a torn pec or a broken ankle. He had a neck injury. Yeah. And he's uh, and he's not a uh, like a compact. He's a long, lanky rusher. Right. That's that opens up to potentially re-injury and stuff like that. So we'll. we'll that 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 is infuriating a little bit, and it's not because he's a Viking. Because we'd all love to have him in Green Bay, with with the talent yeah. rings. Hell yeah, absolutely! I would love to see him in Green Bay. Um, he's young too, man. He's only twenty five as well. He won't even turn twenty six until end of October. So maybe they're going with a little youth movement there, being like, hey, he's going to be, you know, with that neck injury, like you mentioned, Mike. Like maybe he'll be a little bit. He won't be one hundred percent this year. Um, and looking at it for a long-term future, it's not like he's a guy that's in his early 30s, late 20s, where they're giving him this this high praise at number 10. But I just I don't I, I'm trying to rationalize it and I can't get there. Yeah, and then the fact that he was voted ahead of Shaq Barrett and Zadaria Smith, who are 11 and 12, is the issue. I think I think Cam Jordan I think should be on the defensive line on this list, not as an edge rusher. Yeah, and I, I think too. if you take Hunter off, then that puts Barrett and Z at nine and 10. Which they both I think should be on this list. Yeah, that's that's a, actually a great point on Cam Jordan. Um, love Cam Jordan, very very consistent. I would say he's slightly underrated as well. But yeah, definitely. I mean, in comparison to the rest of these guys, like J, uh, excuse me, T.J. Watt would be the most comparable. But T.J. Watt plays more positions than Cam Jordan does, so that is something I kind of miss too. And yes. By de facto, that would move up a couple guys. And Shaq Barrett's super solid, man. I, I knew Shaq was really, really good, um, especially in the last couple of years when he's had his re- resurgence, and then he was able to go to the Bucks and carry that um, success over to them. And when the Packers have played him, he's a nightmare. Zedarius, I actually was like, oh, maybe his sacks were down last year. He had one less sack 
with 12 and a half than he did in 2019 with 13 and a half. So I don't know why he would be outside the top 10. I think Zadarius is a super solid player. There were games last year where he didn't look as um, energized as he did in 2019 being a first-year guy for the Packers. But overall, when you look at what he does to that defense, um, I think he's a top 10 player, but you could definitely convince me he's outside the top 10. It's just with a couple of guys like we've mentioned uh, on the on the, the back end of the top 10, it doesn't seem like he should be left out as an HM. Yeah, and, and Z is one of those guys where when I look at last year, it's tough to with the focus on some of these guys last year without having fans because I think guys like Z, guys like Jair Alexander, who we'll talk to about a little bit, those type of guys, they thrive on the energy of a Lambo oh, yeah. crowd or the booze oh, yeah. of a rival crowd in Chicago or Minnesota. And I think he felt, I think a lot of those guys felt lethargic, not lethargic, but it, it felt like empty. And it just not being able to have that to feed off of, I think, really hurt some of them when it mm-hmm. came to their, their play. And I think Z's one of those guys. So I think Z's going to bounce back in a big way. He could be a guy who has his, maybe his best year this, this coming year. Yeah, and like there's so many defensive guys too. Like when, especially when you have a new coach like Joe Barry, like I feel like he's pretty energized. I haven't, you know, and, and, until his initial press conference, like I didn't see a lot of sound bites from him since then. But I just really like the energy he has, and I think that's the biggest, you know, one of his biggest um, strengths. And I hope Zadarius and him kind of have a good relationship with a lot of these other guys they have that are very enthusiastic about playing defense. Love the team spirit that they have on the defense that they've you know, manifested in the last couple of years, but. Um, I think Z could have a really, really big year too, especially with some of the just the you know with guys that like like Rayshon Gary who's emerging, a couple of the defensive linemen. Like I feel like he doesn't have to do as much. He's still going to be, you know, he's not going to be asked to put his hand in the dirt as much. I would hope um, coming off the edge a little bit more. But yeah, Z, Z's Z's that dude, and he's thus far out of his two years that he's been with the Packers, um, extremely, extremely valuable to their success, and he's exceeded my expectations. For sure. I mean, he is the heartbeat of this team for a better yeah. doubt. He is. He is the voice. He is the soul. He, he he is, for lack of a better word, he's kind of the face of the team right now. And and I, I use that phrase too much probably, but especially no. with everything going on this off season, Z's kind of that guy. Yeah. No, I would. I wouldn't like that's outside of. 12, like, you could, you can 100% make that argument. Like, I don't think that's, like, a crazy thought because he is outspoken. He is somewhat of a veteran veteran leader. He kind of plays a little bit. You know, he's, he's 28. He's going to be, I believe, 29 before the season starts or the first week of the season, September 8th. So, like, he's a little bit of a veteran dude. And um, there's guys like G. Alexander, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, but I, I, I do feel like he is the face of that defense. Um, just because he is a veteran guy. He's been on an, another team. He's been around the league a little bit, and he's, since day one, carried himself as an, a, a true professional, and he's always politicking around the state, too. He's always down at Bucks games. He's out and about in Green Bay. He's always doing his thing, just kind of having fun and staying loose, and that's, I think, what the Packers have lacked for many, many years. So shout out to Zadarius. For sure. And the other four, just to kind of bring them up, Frank Clark came in next, then Brian Burns, Matt Judon, who I forgot was now in New England, and then Bud Dupree in Tennessee. So those those are the remaining edge rushers that were rated of their top 16 honorable mentions, wherever you want to rank them. Mm-hmm. And Burns and Judon could be climbing this list pretty quickly as well. Yeah, for sure. So we'll briefly touch on linebackers, because obviously there are no Packers remotely sniffing mm-hmm. this list. As much as I want Ty Summers to be up there, it's just not happening. 
Uh, no. Or, or Oren Burks. But uh, Devin White at one, Fred Warner at two, two guys who are going to get paid very handsomely very soon. Bobby Wagner drops to three. Darius Leonard at four. Another guy where I remember when he got drafted, they thought he was going to be a bomb, and he was the bomb. Levante David, the London Fletcher of this era, comes in at number five. Roquan Smith at six. That one maybe could be a touch high, but there's this is kind of a weaker position compared to the mm-hmm. other ones we've talked about. Eric Kendricks at seven. Probably should be higher. Tremaine Edmonds at eight. Demario Davis at nine. Miles Jack comes in at number ten. And then your honorable mentions, Deion Jones, Zach Cunningham, Devin Bush, Dante Hightower, Patrick Queen, Blake Martinez at number 16, and then C.J. Mosley and Joe Schobert. So good to see Blake get some recognition. He had, he had a great year with the Giants. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and we were talking about that in the 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 pre-recording just I was impressed by the by Martinez when he was playing when I would watch Giants games he flashed quite a bit more than I had seen him consistently with the Packers um but this list is crazy man like this list is a lot to take in like I'm I'm sifting through and like I, I don't know there's just it's very hard like Devin White is he the number one linebacker I I personally don't think so is he the number one linebacker really, on his own team and that's and that was the thing that was going on around on Twitter, and I thought there, I'm like, well, maybe like Levante David is pretty damn good. I'll give him that. Um, but I, I just think like it, 
I feel like the way these lists are, like they're valuing they're valuing um, youth quite a bit, unless you've been really really consistent for a long long time, and that's kind of what I I see on these lists. Maybe I'm wrong, but I could see Devin White, you know, in a few years being the number one linebacker. Um, but then at that same point, they have Bobby Wagner at three. So maybe my theory is is mute. Maybe it doesn't make sense at all. Um, number six and seven again. Roquan Smith at six. I like Roquan Smith, and he's really solid. Eric Kendricks, I don't know if he's the seventh-best linebacker. I think there's other guys lower on that list. Demario Davis, I'm a huge fan of. Like, that's one of my favorite players outside of the Packers um, entirely. I think he's super, super undervalued. When he was on the Jets for a few years, no one really knew anything about him, and he was playing the same way he's been for the Saints, essentially, except he has a better team around him now. Um Deion Jones, I think that's disrespectful to him. My honorable mention, he's been very, very good for a number of years. Devin Bush, if he doesn't have that knee injury, he's going to be higher up. Um, and, you know, Joe Schobert, a tackling machine, and, you know, Mosley's very, very solid as well. So a lot of solid names on this list, a lot of really, really great names, and you could slot many of these guys, I think, anywhere in the top ten, and it would be okay. I don't think it would be any disrespect at all. Yeah, I guess one one counter for me, I actually have Kendrick. I would put Kendrick's borderline top five because okay. I, I do I, I do think that Vikings. Well, some would rank to number one, which is crazy. But mm-hmm. again, these numbers are some of these people voting is crazy. But Kendrick's when he's not on the field, that Vikings defense falls apart. He he is one of the better all around guys. He can cover. He tackles well. He produces turnovers. He he has he had three picks last year in eleven games. Like he he's a guy where he. He is, he is a guy where you you cannot not have him on the field. If he is off on the on the sidelines getting a breather, ever it's noticeable. And mm-hmm. he and if if he gets hurt and that Viking team falls apart, Mike Zimmer's looking for a job. I think I want it. Like I'm trying to go off memory here. I feel like there was a couple games last year that he missed. And yeah, he only played 11 games last year. And I feel like when he wasn't on the field, it was like you said, it was noticeable. There's been a lot of transition, though, from the Vikings in the last couple of years on that defense, maybe like one or two years. But Eric Hendricks, is, he's held his weight a lot more than I thought he would. I thought there was a, quite a quality guys on that defense that kind of picked the slack for everyone. But he's he is solid. I, I won't disagree with that. He, he definitely makes plays uh, across the field. And like I said, maybe I'm biased because he's a Viking. Yeah, and I wanted him in Green Bay so badly that draft year, too. That's the same. So let's jump to the secondary, and here's comes some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Corner. Mm-hmm. Number one, Jalen Ramsey. I, I feel like that's weird. You can't argue with it. Jalen Ramsey is a great nope. corner. He may be insane. He definitely t- talks a lot, and he does back it up pretty well. But he's a great corner. There's no denying it. He's not Dion, but he's a very good corner. He's, I mean, he's, he's as shut down as it, as it comes right now. And, like, there's guys that sniff these top ten lists one year, two years, and are gone um, at the cornerback position. There's tons of guys at the cornerback spot. If you go back to the last decade, you're like, oh, shit, I remember that guy. He was really, really good, and then he fell off, or they changed the defense or went to a different team. But Ramsey's been consistent throughout his entire career. And I, I, it's, if you, you can make the argument on any damn list that he's number one for corner for sure. And, and then the next five is where the fun really begins. Marlon Humphrey at two. Mm-hmm. Again, we, talk, we say underrated. Humphrey was for a couple years, but he's now starting to get the recognition. And some people compared him to like Peanut Tillman. Uh, he's a kind of he's a turnover force guy. He 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 with him on one side that lets Marcus Peters do whatever 
freelancing and weird crap that he does on the other side work. If you don't have a corner like Humphrey, Peters is not being trusted to do anything. Uh, Xavier Howard came in number three again. Ten picks. Ball hawk. I'm still... I still wonder with Xavier. He's he's obviously a top ten corner. There's no doubt. But how much of last year was... I mean, they have to throw at you a good amount to get ten picks. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like... Howard's solid as hell, but, like, he's that guy that I referenced that, like, maybe he falls off in a year or two. Like, he's been really, really good for the last couple, but I I could see him all of a sudden getting burnt a little bit and kind of transitioning away. That team's going through a complete overhaul in the last few with Brian Flores, new quarterback, new offensive line, new defense. Like, Howard's solid, like you said. Throwing at a guy enough to get 10 picks is, is extreme. Number four, then, is Stefan Gilmore. And this one where we talked, again, about during our pre-record, I think a lot of it is name recognition. And obviously he won the Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, and he had a great year that year. But he was good in Buffalo after he got drafted. He was good his first few years in New England. But then he was great in 2019. And it's it's one of those where it's like, was, is he as good as these numbers indicate? Or is part of it now becoming a name recognition type play? Yeah. Like, he he's – I guess he just had basically – like, he's had a down 2020 and down in his own, you know, his own reputation. Like, decent 2018, extremely good 2019, obviously, defensive player of the year. Or you said – we said that, right? Defensive player of the year 2019? Yeah, and it's like – yeah, you go from that, like, it's tough to stay consistent like that. So I still think Stephon Gilmore is really, really solid. Um, he had some help with another guy on this list that we'll get to later um, on that defense. And, you know, that defense, like, similar to the the um, the Dolphins, if not more, has gone through quite a transition. It always seems like it hasn't found its footing yet. That secondary has been always really, really solid for the, the Patriots. But um, Stephon Gilmore is still that dude that you can put him on one side of the field and he can lock down. Um, he can play zone. He can play man. He, he's really, really good. Uh, I, I could see him slotted even higher than four personally. I just feel like Stephon Gilmore, you know, it, it's it's one of those names that he's he's going to stay consistent. He's kind of getting his own recognition just based off his name and production. But I think he's a top five corner, definitely. And then we get to number five, which is Tredavious White in Buffalo, who was rated uh, number three last year. And he, he's... He had a little bit of a down year in Buffalo compared to what he was in 2019, much like Gilmore. But Trey White, what a pick that was for Buffalo and Brandon Bean. Yeah, honestly. I didn't expect him to ever be this good. Like, I knew him coming out, I was like, okay, like, he's he's solid, but I never expected him to be as as great as he's been. And, excuse me, he's 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 continued to grow, and I think that defense and that team overall has been – Exceptional. Uh, he's exceeded expectations, and I expect him to still be a staple. And they've had a really good transition. You mentioned Gilmore, and you go from Gilmore basically being your number one to to White. Uh, not a, not a bad problem to have for sure. And then number six, Jair Alexander. He his highest ranking was three. His lowest ranking was nine. Well, someone actually had Jalen Ramsey as low as seven. Um, he was unranked last year for Jair. Only twenty four. He was number 11 last year, but, man, what a year he had. I mean, Jair could very easily be number two or number one on this list. This corner, this corner list is deep, and when Jair is number six, you know how good it is. 
again, part of it is the green and gold that we that we're talking about on this podcast daily. But I feel like that number three that was his highest ranking should be, I think, the minimum where he is with with the impact that he makes on games, not only as a cover guy but as a tackler. I, I six is it puts a bad taste in my mouth. I'll be really, really honest. Like. He doesn't have to be number one. I can give Ramsey that one all day. He's done it for a number of years, two or three times as many years as uh, Jerry Alexander has. Number two, I could see interchange between Humphrey Howard or Gilmore. Um, but I, I really don't think he's outside the top three. Just just his, his nose for the football, the way he gets past deflections, the way his, he's able to you know catch up to corners or excuse me receivers over the middle. His just everything about his game is super super solid, and maybe that's because we get to watch him every game. But outside the top five seems wild to me. Like side by side, I feel like Jair's. I don't say a full a full tier better than Tre'Davious White, but I think he's better than Tre'Davious White. So I would say he's at minimum top five, if not top three. But as you mentioned, there's quite a quite a list of names even after this that we'll get into even through the honorable mention. For sure. And of course, and, and, and we talk about Z being a potential face of the team. Jair's another one of those guys where oh, yeah. another guy always in the community, always doing stuff. I know he's, he's leads yoga classes during the offseason. Mm-hmm. And he, and I'm sure you've seen him around in Green Bay. Yeah, he's always doing stuff around Green Bay. I don't ever get to run into him, unfortunately. He's a busy dude, but... He, uh, he's always doing shit, and that's, you know, if, if it wasn't for Z, there would be a lot more focus on Jair Alexander, and as a young player, that can that pressure can be a little deep, but I think um, he's, found his, he's found his sweet spot in that secondary. He's, he's getting up there as far as, you know, they got a lot of young guys outside of Adrian Amos, but I really, really like Jair and how he's fit into that defense, and I'm extremely excited to see what Joe Barry does with him this year. Well, absolutely. And then number seven is Marshawn Lattimore, another varying ranking. Someone had him ranked number one, another person had him unranked. And this is a, this is a quote from my high-ranking NFL official. He'll show you one game where he looks like an all-pro and another where he looks like a complete train wreck. But he can play man and take you out of a game. He's that talented. Gave up five touchdowns last year, and he had a really low PFF grade. But Lattimore... Yeah, he's one of those guys where if he gets finds consistency, he's elite. But he just has never been consistent after his rookie year. Not at all. He's volatile, man. Like there was after his after his first two years in the league, and then I want to see it was halfway through 2019. There was some like disrespect about him, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, why are people shitting on Marshawn Lattimore? Um, last year he was very inconsistent as well. I want to say there's a few games where he was locking up number one receivers down in the NFC South, and then they'd have games where he just looks like an absolute train wreck, like you mentioned. So it makes sense that he would be unranked, and then some people would have a number one because if depending on the games you're seeing, you're you're correct. The number eight Denzel Ward, who kind of broke out with Cleveland, he was very good. Finally, last year he was able to stay on the field, and Denzel Ward, another guy who'd be climbing this list. Probably one of the probably the better of the two Ohio State cornerbacks between him and Lattimore. I, I think I would probably mm-hmm. take Ward. Same. Number nine is a, a, to me is a confusing one. That's Darius Slay. Yeah. I don't that's... think he's a top ten corner anymore. He, he when Detroit absolutely. He, I did not want to play against him when he was in Detroit. He was that good. But ever since he followed Matt Patricia, which who hasn't at this point, and then he went to Philly, he hasn't been the same guy. And at age 30, I don't know if he's going to find it again. No, I 
I like Darius Slay. It's, you know, it's one of those dudes where you're just like, damn, if he wouldn't have had to play in the damn Lions for so many years, like what would his career look like? But he's a dude that he, he does a lot. He's got a great nose for the football. Like that is his number one thing. He's got great football instincts as well. Um, I love Slay, but I don't think uh, I don't think he is a top ten dude, especially with the, some of the other names that will go off on this list. And then at number ten, another way I'm 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 not sure he's top ten yet, and that's J.C. Jackson. How much of that was again? They're throwing away from Gilmore and throwing his way. He had a ton of turnovers, but there's some of these guys in the honorable mentions who I you have to make a case top ten. That's like Isaac. Mar- I'm not putting Marcus Peters there either because. He, you talk about volatile on the field. Peter's either going to pick off three passes or he's going to get ejected from the game for doing something stupid, <laughs> which we saw when he was with the Chiefs and threw a flag into the stands. Right. Uh, Carlton Davis, again, another Tampa Bay corner who's really underrated. But again, that secondary in general is kind of underrated, but they're all, they're guys who not only say overachieve, but they're the sum of their parts more than the individual groupings there. William Jackson, I was surprised that he was on here. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize how good he was while in Washington. Kyle Fuller in Denver, Byron Jones in Miami, and then James Bradbury. There, and there, there's some notable names not on this list. Oh, yeah. Is, is there any that come to mind for you? Because I'm like trying to go through and see if there's any anyone that sticks out to me. Um, I'm, I'm trying to just go through my head right now. Right. I'm trying to think, uh, and, and that's who I'm missing. Uh, ooh, I was going to say Xavier Rhodes. It can't be Xavier Rhodes. That's impossible. That wouldn't have been Xavier Rhodes. But like, that's a guy. Like again, like some of the like that's what I'm saying though, Mike. Like some of the some dudes that play corner, like they're only great for a few years. Like they're never like that good after a while. Like it just it, they just fade. Like you're good for. Two, three, four years, and then all of a sudden the defense changes. There's other talent brought in, in maybe within your division, and they just don't stick out anymore. Um, I, I don't know. Like I don't. I'm trying to think of who this guy is for uh, the Colts. I don't. I don't see. I see Xavier Rhodes. That's all I see. But like going back to J.C. Jackson too. Like nine picks. That's great. But like let's do it for a couple more years. Like maybe when Gilmore's gone. Like let's see how you fare. I don't think he's a top ten guy. I really don't. William Jackson. There's, I read some stuff on him in the last month where they're just like, he might be the best slot corner in the league. Like, he's super, super dangerous. He can play kind of that underneath coverage. Um, and has great, great instinct to get back with stuff that's over his head. Um, that's why he's so highly ranked, I would assume. But, um, and I've seen, like, shit, I want to say it was like a little bit after the draft, they're ranking the corners on some other website. And, like, James Bradbury, I want to say, was, like, top six, top seven. So there's another guy who, I guess, you know, coming in the league for the Panthers, having to take over for uh, Josh Norman has done – he did extremely well for, for the uh, the Panthers. But other than that, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's any other guys on this list. Like, I'm trying to even go through a division or a throughout, and I'm just not coming up with any. A name that popped up to me, and I, I'm surprised he was an honorable mention, was Jalen Johnson from the Bears. There you go. He had a great That's a good. And yeah, he, and he—I thought he was better than Fuller. What about um, who's the other one for them? Um, I want to say, yeah, I guess Fuller. That was who I was thinking of. So he had a better year than Fuller. Yeah, he was—he was decent, I guess. By the way, corner, we can all agree Jair's too low, and that's yeah, that's the main point. Jair's too low. 
it's a weird list. Like, I feel like the top of it's really, really good. And then, like, after that, it's like, ah, Darius Blaze there, J.C. Jackson's there. Like, so I, I don't know. This who, is kind of a Who knows if Lattimore, list. yeah. And like you said, corner is such a volatile position where you can be an elite corner one year and then the next year you're getting torched. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how it goes from there. So let's move on to our final spot, which is the safety position, which is, to me, a notable omission, which we're going to get to, is infuriating. Yeah. And and it it, it is a it is makes me madder than Gage was when Daniel Hunter was in the top ten. Now, number mm-hmm. one is Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka was great when that after he got after that trade. Oh my god, he was dude. He was so crazy. Like watching like he the three thirty, watching the three thirty games, and it would be like Steelers, any other AFC team, and it's like what the hell, man. He would just make picks in the end zone. He'd return stuff. He was he was just all over the place, and like just to see what he could do with some incredible players around him. Minka Minka's really really fun. I thought he was a little overhyped. Um, I, I never really knew he was this great. And now seeing him from go to Miami to Pittsburgh, it's um, yeah, he's exceptional. I'm not sure anyone did. I thought he, with him, a lot of people thought he was going to be a jack of all trades, master of none. He's going to be solid. He's going to be consistent for 15 years, but he was never going to be that Ed Reed type corner. And he's obviously not that Ed Reed type because no one is. He's the best safety of all time. But Minka's pretty damn good. Oh yeah. Justin Simmons number two. I like this. I'm glad he's getting some recognition finally. Justin Simmons is. He was. He's been great for Denver. He's, he's been really good. Mm-hmm. And he he can cover. He can hit. He they don't throw to him. He he's the only reason that defense survived last year. Yeah. With all the injuries they had. Buda Baker at number three, and as he changes his his jersey number, uh, Buda. He's forever going to be a meme. Thanks to DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. But again, coming out of Washington, he was probably the least hyped out of any of them between Sidney Jones and Kevin King and some of the other Washington players, uh, Byron Murphy, Baker's in the best. Yeah. He's like he's similar to Minka. Like, he can play multiple positions. He, and he's similar to another guy that we're going to do later. Like, can play multiple positions. You can basically line him up everywhere, anywhere you want on the defense without his hand in the dirt. Um, he's going to make freaking plays. And, unfortunately, yeah, DK Metcalf's fast as hell. And... You know, tackled him for almost a hundred yard uh, interception return, but Buddha's Buddha's extremely good. And you know, I thought he was I thought he was going to be more like that, like you're saying, like the uh, you know jack of all trades, master of none. I, that's who I kind of thought he would be coming to the league. You know, he's a little bit more quicker, more um, agile than you know most players in his position. But he's his skill set has really really worked in extremely well for the Cardinals. For sure, number four, Jamal Adams in Seattle. I like Adams. I think he could start climbing right back up. Yeah. He dropped off in coverage last year, though. He can he'll, – he'll, he'll, he's the best blitzing safety in the league, without a doubt. He can live in the backfield. But he could yeah. not cover anything last year. No, I mean, nine and a half sacks, though? Like, come on. What the – like – That's crazy. That's just such a – it's such an anomaly. Like, <laughs> How do you have a cornerback who's nine and a half sacks? Like that, or excuse me, a, uh, a safety. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable. Like just the how they used him, and, and it was some of it was like, okay, you have this skill set. Like you've been able to get sacks before with, um, with the Jets. Like in his first three seasons, um, 
in New York, he, I think he had, what, 13 sacks? Like, that's that's not terrible. Um, pretty good to me. 12 sacks, actually. And, like, you go over the, the Seattle, and you have nine and a half, and your skill set's there, but also they lacked pass rushers, so they used them in a completely different way. Let's see what it looks like when he's, you know, has a full year under his belt. They have a couple other pieces there. Maybe they figure that defense out. But Jamal Adams is solid as hell, dude. Um, he's only 25. I'm I'm baffled by that. I thought he was older than that. So um, he would be a guy, like you said, could continuously climbing this uh, can climbing this board. Cause he was number one coming into last year, and then he dropped because sure. his coverage grade was very, very bad. But I, I agree with you. If they use him a different way, we'll see. And he's going to have to be because they gave up a lot to get him. And they paid him a mm-hmm. lot to stay in Seattle. Now Harrison Smith comes in at number five. I think the oldest guy in any of these lists is Harrison Smith at 32. And it's weird that he's 32. It, 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 it just seemed like as we get older, just as people, seeing him climb the age of list, it's, just, it's almost kind of surreal. Because I remember when he got drafted and, and we wanted him in Green Bay and they took Dayton Jones. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, Harris is like he seems older to me though. Like it's it's similar though, like what you're saying. Like you see, you know, we transition and you know into our 30s, and like Harrison Smith does too. And like I just don't. He seems older than 32 because he's just he's just since he started in Minnesota, he's been so damn good. Um, and there's guys below him that are extremely talented, but he's just like been consistent for so long. And even when the Vikings are having a down year or having a rough stretch within a season, he's, like, always just, like, that, that staple that they have. And we talked about Eric Kendricks. Those two have can, has have created that, that defense to hold on for so long the last couple of years through the, the transition process. Number six was Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, which this is an interesting point with him. He's 29, and this is the first uh, couple sentences on his entry here on ESPN.com. Many good veterans don't see a third contract in the NFL. Matthew's going on his fifth if the Chiefs extend him this summer, which they want to do so. He's, he's bounced around a little bit. But again, he bounced around a little bit. He does everything. Yeah. He does everything. He bounced around a little bit. Um, he's had some maturing to do, obviously. Completely notable from his LSU days. I think he's extremely, extremely talented. But I think, you know, there are guys that you look, I look at, at least specifically sometimes throughout the league that have bounced to many different teams, from offense to defense. I'm like, why the hell has this guy gone to different teams? And normally it's personality. Um, and I could see Tyron Matthew having a personality that is, you know, very infectious and also can be very polarizing. But uh, Tyron Matthew, that, that's crazy. He's been, you know, has five deals. That's insane. Obviously not five different teams, but... Matthew's super solid. Um, one of my favorite safeties in the league just because, like, Minka and um, his teammate Buda Baker, or excuse me, former teammate Buda Baker, like, he's he's consistent as hell, and they're also very versatile. They do a lot of different stuff and create plays everywhere. And, and I think that's part of why he bounced around, too. He was in the Arians era in Arizona. Yep. That team was kind of a mess at times. Then he went to what can only be described as a complete and utter trash fire in Houston. Mm-hmm. Many ends up in Kansas mm-hmm. City where he seems to have finally found his footing and yeah he he does he does everything. I want to say too like I I don't want to get too off on a tangent here but I want to say that contract he had signed with the Texans was just some stupid like it was like eight million dollars or something crazy it was some weird because yeah, there's talk about Green Bay looking at him. It was 
it was wild because I, I remember them signing him, and I'm like, how the hell are you only going to pay eight or nine million dollars for a dude that could be his best his position um, through a stretch of a season? Like he he is a guy that's extremely extremely great, and yeah, if he would have been a Packer, holy shit. Number seven, uh, number seven is Kevin Byard from the Titans. Again, another guy kind of broke out a couple years ago and was underrated for a while, but now he's starting to find people are starting to realize how good he is. Mm-hmm. That Titans defense is good. They're Mike Vrabel is the right coach for him, and they're going to be a threat for a while. Oh, yeah. I think he led the league in picks one year, and I was like, eh, maybe an anomaly. Yeah, but he's, yeah. yeah, he's been consistent the, the last couple. Number eight, John Johnson the third, which is the most generic creative player name in the world, but he makes it work, and he's Cleveland getting him. I don't know where they had the money, but they made it work. Yeah, not a not a bad defense for the Browns on paper. Um, extremely good Madden defense, like especially the secondary. He got uh, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, Ward um, Grant Delpit, John, John Johnson. Like these guys are going to be monsters. And yeah, you can get Miles Garrett and Clowney and. Right. It's just like, come on. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Like, just just freak of natures. Um, John Johnson kind of lost on the Rams' defense for me. Um, we've already mentioned two of his teammates between Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. It's tough to really pick out another guy. I feel like when they're going through that transition, too, with uh, Jamarcus Joyner, there might have been another name in there. Like, I kind of Jermaine forgot about Johnson. John Johnson's old. Jermaine, that's, it's like I kind of I kind of combined those two guys. Like I was like, oh, they're, they're the same dude. They're definitely not the same guy, clearly. Um, but I think John Johnson's going to be a, a good piece for the Browns. I, I could see him falling off a little bit, but good for them. Good for him to get another contract and um, being on a really, really good Browns defense. And then here's where the debate begins. Number nine, Derwin James. Someone had him as high as two, uh, but he's missed 27 games the last two seasons. He's played one full season. That season was great. He was an all-pro in his, his rookie year. But you can't miss almost two full years and I think still be a top-ten player. I, you, my favorite phrase is always, the best ability is availability and durability. And he hasn't been. And with some of the guys who are in the honorable mention list, and not just the Packer who we'll get to, this baffles me because until he until he proves it, for at least 2021 and plays 17 games. Hell, if he plays 14 games, I'll think about it again, but I cannot see him being in the top 10 right now. I just can't do it. See, I remember, I knew he didn't play all 2020. I forgot he only played four games in 2019. And I was going to say he was a little disrespected, but going back, like, no, man, you can't play half the games that you're supposed to be playing in and be in a top 10 list. Like, I think Derwin James is awesome. Like, I thought him coming out, the Chargers got extremely good value with him, and he's been dynamite since day one, but get your ass on the field. Like, he's been very, very inconsistent with his injuries. He's got the torn uh, torn meniscus, stress fracture in the foot. Like, there's these compounding lower body injuries that eventually they're going to catch up to him. Um, I hope he's healthy. I hope he can, he can dominate still. But Derwin, when healthy, could be a number two guy like that person mentioned, but also, if you're only playing in 21 games out of a possible like 50 plus, like that's that's not good for your your stats. For sure. And then number 10 is Jesse Bates of the Bengals. Again, this is a good point. So uh, uh, an official said, an official said, if he's on a different team, people would love this guy, but because he plays yep. in Cincinnati, no one knows who he is. Yep. Bates is a good player. Super accurate. Yeah, I think he's very high. Then then we get to the honorable mentions. Eddie Jackson came in next at number 11. He's faded. I he. he 
without Adrian Amos next to him, that freeing him up to, to freelance and do what he does, he's not the same player. He he needs mm-hmm. a, a steady hand next to him to reach what he was a few years ago. Darnell Savage came in at number twelve though, and that's pretty awesome. I, that's what I, I even I thought that was a bit high for Savage. Yeah, I like Darnell. Awesome. I think he, I think he will be eventually in this top ten list, but I was surprised that he was number twelve. Marcus May, 13 from the Jets. Marcus Williams of the Saints, 14. Antoine Winfield Jr. came in next from the Bucks, And then Landon Collins from the football team. Another guy where he needs a, he needs a playmaker next to him to, to make him what he can. Mm-hmm. Notably absent, and I am very angry about this, is Adrian Amos. This one might be the most disrespectful one to not even make the list. And it's like, side by side, I feel like Packer fans alike would say Adrian Amos is a better safety than Darnell Savage right now. Like his body of work from from the Bears, the Packers has been extremely good. Savage has had good uh two years with the Packers, but uh, I guess speed isn't everything. Like Darnell Savage flies around the ball, but Adrian Amos is consistently making plays as a nose for the football, can play multiple positions. It's it's pretty wild to think that he would be left off this list and Savage is on it and doesn't even sniff the uh, the top 16, or excuse me, the top 15. Like, it's, it's a little a little wild to me. Definitely, and of course, because, yeah, and, and this is, again, our group chat where we were to come up with this topic. Gage made the point is that nothing Adrian Amos does is sexy, but he doesn't miss nothing. tackles. He's never out of position. He's always making sure his guys are in position, and and he is a, he's a quiet leader of this team. He is just as important when he signed as Z was for that secondary as what Z was for the pass rushers with what he brought, brings to the team. He is the, you know, his, his teammate Kenny Clark is a very similar spot. Extremely talented, does it under the radar, does his job, and just doesn't get the, enough recognition for it. And I, I'm a, I, this guy specifically, I've said this, I think, for every freaking player that's been a Packer on this list for the defense, but Adrian Amos specifically, I'm extremely excited to see what they do with him, with him and Joe Barry. I think he could play that star position. I want to say Andy Herman put out an article maybe in the last month or so about um, the potential of Adrian Amos in Joe Barry's defense. Um, go check that out. I don't know where that is. Packer report. Um, G-Set TV, et cetera, but go find that. Go search that on the, the Google. But really, like, Adrian's – he just the fact that he can he can ball hawk, he can get to the edge, he can fill a gap, he can fill a hole, he can play up in the linebacker spot. Like, just that versatility alone is comparable to Minka, Buda Baker, Tyron Matthew, Derwin James when healthy, et cetera. Like, I just – I really, really like Adrian Amos, and I think it's it's pretty disrespectful for him not to be in the top half of, well, not top half, I guess top quarter of safeties in the league. Because you look at, and this is, again, my soapbox, when we look at the, just the honorable mentions, is Landon Collins better than Adrian Amos? No. Antoine Winfield? Maybe, but he's only been in the league a year. Marcus Williams? No. Marcus May? No. Darnell Savage? No. Eddie Jackson? Hell no. Derwin James? Not right now, because one of them actually plays 16 games. Jesse Bates? Maybe. John Johnson? Maybe. Bayard maybe, but again, they're a little more flashy. Amos is just more consistent. There's a reason why he grades so highly. Whatever you want to say about PFF, there's a reason why he's always in the top four or five safeties every single year, because he doesn't make mistakes. And when you're playing a safety position, you're playing especially that deep safety, that's your biggest job, is nothing gets behind you, nothing gets past you. 
and Amos is always where he has to be. And so, as much as Daniel Hunter's inclusion in the top ten and Derwin James in the top ten is, is annoying, this is infuriating that Adrian Amos is not in the top, even in the honorable mentions. Yeah, pretty. It's like this is this is the craziest one. Like it's it's nuts. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand it at all. I don't know. And like he's generally ranked pretty high for a lot of uh, the grades across different platforms. So weird, very very odd. For sure. Well, we've been going for quite a while. So thank you for bearing with us during this extremely long podcast. I'm sure next week will probably be pretty long as well. But again, off season, we got time. You're on vacation. You're drilling the vacation. You can listen to it while you're driving. What better way to, to spend an hour than listening to two guys past their prime talk about football? So, Matt, we'll jump in. Where can people find you and what are you working on this summer? Yeah, still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Uh, we are gearing up and just like a lot of other people with Game on Wisconsin. Um, so we started training camp less than three weeks away. I'm super pumped. Finally, the, the damn Packers put out a schedule. I think it was this last week or so. Um, thank you because a lot of people um, – myself included, have been trying to set their schedules and figure out when the hell positions from summer mode to uh, NFL season mode. So I'm extremely excited for the 28th. Um, I'm really, really pumped to see, I hope, 12 coming back on the field. But um, check out all of our content on Game on Wisconsin across all of our platforms. Interact with us there. But we got some stuff in store in the next couple of weeks, and I'm super, super excited uh, to get that here. And I'm super excited to see the Packers in training camp in a few weeks. Uh, Mike, where can everyone find you and all your work? Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland. That's all one word, so it's W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. Uh, find most of my stuff as a broadcaster. I'm on ZaleskiSports.com, doing a lot of Legion and Adult League Baseball right now. I have actually, I think, six days next week where I'll be on the air doing a lot of Legion Baseball, especially the Plover Black Sox tournament. That'll be over the next week. I think it's thir- uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That'll be I'll be in uh, Boston on Tuesday. I'll be back in Plover on Wednesday. It's going to be a busy week here as we hit July. And again, like you, I'm also looking forward to the training camp. My nephew has been asking me, when can we go see the Packers? When can we go see the Packers? So I can't wait to take him, now that he's C6 now, to go and take him to his second Packers practice. And hopefully he, he wants to see his favorite player, Mason Crosby. So hopefully that can happen. So uh, looking forward to that again. Thank you for the Packers getting up the schedule out that we know that the 28th is coming quickly. And we'll be able to have a full crowd to training camp, which is going to be awesome. It's going to feel like it did a couple years ago. It's going to be awesome. It's going to make the atmosphere in Lambeau back to what we're expecting. And it's going to be so much fun. So that being said, we will say so long for everyone. Thank you for joining us during this long episode of the Packaday Podcast. Stay tuned tomorrow. Of course, uh, all of our great colleagues have some more great content for you guys. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel as well. Andy, again, doing great work. Just crossed 300 episodes on YouTube, which is just an incredible journey we've been on with this podcast, with the YouTube channel, all that stuff. It's been an incredible, incredible time so far, and we're going to keep doing this every day until the world collapses or until we are told no. So for Matt Freilich, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everyone. Stay cool, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go.